0: what up what up what up what up what's going on everybody hotep to the family i shake to all my people out there welcome to another episode of my unapologetic perspective here on the mighty motivation network this podcast is where we give our point of view on controversial topics from our experience black history and our knowledge as african americans in the words of maya angelou do your best until you know better and when you know better do better so it's important to search for information, discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you. I am your host, mar Stevens, AKA Baker. To the right of me is Shaquan Battle. What up? And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. What's up? What's going on guys? How's your mental health to start off? Pretty good. Good. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's happy with the
1: NBA draft. No, but we can keep it moving. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good <laughs> as right. a New York Knicks fan. We're never happy yeah. with the NBA <laughs> draft, so all
0: right. Um, we're gonna jump right in today. Let's just do that. Let's just, Let's just, do just do jump it. right in. Um, so today we're going to be talking about um, a couple of different things. Um, number one, we're going to be talking about something that's very, very important, uh, especially for um, us here. Right now, because in the surrounding counties of Lynchburg, Roanoke, Danville, um, the numbers have increased. Even you talk about Richmond, uh, you could talk about um, different places in Virginia where the numbers have just been increasing dramatically over the past few years. And that's the escalated gun violence from our youth, um, not just from our adults, but from our youth, just to put that into perspective of, of why this is an important topic. Um, There was an article that came out two weeks ago from Roanoke. Um, It was Chief Roman that said that they are continuing to overcome challenges investigating. He said it's not because of them, but because the victims not wanting to talk. There is a gang culture type activities associated with some of the violence we are seeing. That is no different an event from two weeks ago or a year and a half ago. Roman said. They're trying to make sure that they are able to legally infiltrate and make an impact in long-term investigations. So what he's talking about here in Roanoke, Roanoke um, police have been, have been having a hard time closing some of these uh, murder cases, uh, sp- specifically from um, young African-Americans. They're having a hard time closing these cases, having a hard time making arrests. They're having a hard time stopping just the gun violence altogether. In this city, not, again, it's not just Roanoke, Lynchburg, Danville are having uh, similar problems. Even if you go up to uh, places like Henry County, all of those are having those those same type of problems. And um, reason being, let, let's I'm gonna just go over a, a few statistics real quick before we jump in. Um, an estimated 4.6 million children live in homes with at least one unlocked and loaded gun. And most children know where these guns are kept. For anybody that's wondering how some of these youth, um, some of these kids or teenagers are getting a hold of these weapons. Black children and teens had the highest gun death rate in 2019, followed by American Indian and Alaska Native children and teens. Although black children and teens make up only 14% of all children and teens in 2019, they accounted for 43% of child and teen gun deaths black children and teens were four times more likely to be killed with guns than white peers 86 percent of children and teens who died from gunfire in 2019 were boys boys were six times more likely than girls to die in gun homicides black boys were 18 times more likely to be killed in gun homicides than white boys so already we see the the big number disproportionate number of African Americans, black teens, black kids, dying or participating in, in gun violence. Um, Y'all thoughts? You
1: can go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% man. And, and, and the thing is, is on this podcast, we usually talk about black history and um, racism and discrimination and injustice imposed upon black Americans by white Americans in the government, law enforcement, educational system, what have you. In this case, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. It's us. Back to that accountability. It's again. back to that accountability. It's it's us. Um and, and we we talk about the 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 death aspect of of the gun violence. Let me give you some numbers real quick. Um and this is where we really need to pay attention. The US population is approximately 350 fifty million people. Mm-hmm. 76.4% is white, approximately 267,000, uh it's 267 million. Mm-hmm. Um, blacks account for about 13.5%, which is 46 million.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: White on white murders account for for in the year of 2018, 2,677 white on white. So the white offender, white victim. Mm-hmm. White on black murders, whether you have a white offender and a black victim, 234, which is about a quarter of a percent,
0: Mm
1: 0.0025%. Black on white murders, 514. You hear a lot of people say, well, blacks kill whites at a higher rate. Mm -hmm. No, we don't. Out of the population, 514 account for Mm 0.000192. Percent uh-huh. of the total population. Now here's where it gets tricky.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Black on black murders. Two thousand six hundred people murdered. Two thousand eighteen. Point 00055 percent, uh-huh. which is a half, half of a percent of the total black population. Uh-huh. This is us. This is us, right? This is us.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it starts with gun exposure, uh-huh. as you as you indicated how many black youths are being exposed to firearms at an early age, mm-hmm. whether they've seen their parents um, use them, hold them, carry them, clean them, lock them up, whatever, they know they're in the house. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, we know that kids are going to do what they're not supposed to do when they're not supervised. Mm-hmm. You say, don't touch that stereo when I leave, as soon as you go, bam, they they bang in the stereo, right? right? You tell them don't touch that lockbox with that gun in it, they touch, they get they're going to get that. Right. They're going to get that. Accountability. Black accountability. This is us. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
1: where I'm going to start.
2: FBI crime data uh, just some stats some more stats Uh, Roanoke and Lynchburg is not one of the safest communities in America judging by the population um, and the size of the town uh it's not the safest Uh within Virginia more than 99% of communities have a lower crime rate than Roanoke based on the numbers of murders by the FBI and the number of people living in Roanoke they experience, they experience the highest murder rates in the nation when compared to cities and towns of that population 100%
0: now we've done a podcast episode about black accountability where we talked about Not only the accountability of blacks, but we talked about the history on how that happens, how poverty leads to crime, how uh, discrimination leads to crime, how PTSD, post-traumatic slave disorder leads to the position that we're in now. We get all that. If you want to understand that, go back to earlier episode called Black Accountability to understand how that happens. Because we're not shifting the blame, but we're just taking accountability for our part. Right now, because we need to see change. It's one thing to understand what white America has done to us. It's another thing to keep allowing it to for us to stay in that position without creating some dramatic changes between ourselves without needing any outside influence. Right. Absolutely. So. When we talk about where does it start? Right. Because when you see a, a murder like this happen on the news, the first thing Facebook says or people say is, well, it starts at home. You know how how do they get access to guns? That starts at home. How do they have the mentality to do this? Why are they in the streets? It starts at home. We hear that a lot, but they never explain what happens after that. When I what I mean by is, if you say it starts at home, then what happens after that? That's right. Right. In somewhere else. Right. So when we talk about it starts at home, let's start there. Let's for a second. Let's just start there. At home, you are taught by the actions i'll say that you are taught by the actions of your parents right now, let's just assume that there's two parents in the household you're taught by each one of them parents by their actions they lead by example or we could separate that and say one's not in the household that's right. That's a totally different story that's right. now let's just say you get that kid on the weekend or every other weekend change the story again because now you're going to two different households that may have two different ways of looking at things right and let's say there's another influences in that house. Let's say the the woman has another man or the man has another woman in those houses. Now you're talking about more influences. Right. So now you have two different households with two different influences, which this is one factor. Another problem is the man or the woman may not be present in the kid's life at all. So now you're talking about more psychological problems happening. But let's go beside beyond, beyond the parents, because a lot of um. Surveys that's been done on how kids get guns, it's not from the parents, older siblings that live in the house. So what are they doing? What example are they setting? What are they getting away with in the house? So understanding what's going on under their roof is one big thing. What are the conversations being held in that household? What are the conversations that's supposed to be private or not private that the kids are hearing and now they're taking on a more inclusive role in that household? That creates certain behaviors. Another key point. Even though the parents and siblings are living in that household and we think that is the only influence, that changed years ago. Absolutely. With the cell phone. The cell phone has the ability to connect with the rest of the world. Right. So what are they watching on the cell phone? What are they listening to on the cell phone? What are they talking? Who are they talking to and what are they talking about? So even at home, our kids have access to the world every single day where well, you can get online and you can see something that happened a couple of weeks ago where a rapper and his girlfriend are having a shootout with people who infiltrated their house. So now you see gun violence from your favorite rapper, from your influencers, and you're starting to see this normalcy come to our youth, right? So we've also seen where teen suspects or teen deaths and the parents get a hold of their phone and they realize that. My child was a, living a whole different life that I never knew about within a cell phone That's right. because it's a whole nother world in there. You said some key at the baby shower yesterday when asked to give advice to a, a new coming mother. And you said that it takes a village that your family is around you to, build, to help build that child. Now, most people say that, but that advice never goes beyond the baby. So that advice from a baby shower would say, okay, if you need a babysitter, I'll watch them i'll come look at the baby uh take pictures with the baby but what about what happens when that kid gets older Mm -hmm. is the same mentality still happens on a village raising that child are the family members still active in kids life as they grow up because most people don't go beyond that stage so if it takes a village are the aunts the uncles and the cousins having a positive role in that kid's life or is it just christmas gifts going, going about, about your business? business. Mm-hmm. Are you having those right. important conversations? Are you instilling that the same way you would instill to your kids? Right. When right? you
1: talk about influences, because you talk about a village, it takes a village, right? If it takes a village to raise them, that could be positive or negative. right? right. So the influences become the most impactful. We talk about, let me give you an example. 24 hours in the day. Let's say you, you're an eight-hour sleeper. Mm-hmm. So you sleep eight of those hours. You got 16 hours left, mm-hmm. Right. You go to school,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and let's say that's eight hours, Mm -hmm. and you come home, so you got eight Eight hours hours left, Mm -hmm. right? Your parents are going to probably use about three or four tops Mm -hmm. of that last eight hours that you have in your day. right? So out of all the hours in the day, your parents have about a three or four hour window, five days a week that they influence you in your life. Mm -hmm. What's the other influences the rest of the time? Exactly. So that village has to be a positive village. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, those influences become very negative, very detrimental mm-hmm. and impactful into developing that child into what they're going to become. Right. Um, so influences can be the, the determining factor. Mm-hmm. It right. doesn't have to be a father. doesn't have to be a stepfather. It doesn't have to be older siblings. <laughs> it could be school. It could be Mm -hmm. things that, not even things that they're learning, not even things that they're being told. It could be things that they're thinking, Mm -hmm. things that they're feeling. Um, How many people get bullied in school? So it's not really an influence of an individual. It could be the way that that bullying makes them feel. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes the negative impact that they need that's going to develop them into whoever they're going to become. Right. So yeah, a village absolutely but it has to be a positive village right And even,
0: even if you look outside of the village let's take it a step further like you said the community plays a role in raising that child that's right you know you hear the older folks talk about it all the time that back in the day the neighbors would say some of you was doing wrong right. that, that's that's totally gone now so is it just about how many points they score for you to go up to that kid and say something to him and is it how many touchdowns they can score before you go congratulate that kid mm-hmm. you know does the community check on that kid? Are we reiterating the principles that, that, that are the building blocks of them living a positive life? Is it just how things going in school or are you actually pouring into that kid when you talk to them? Um, are it's, you a, given- it's
1: a different world though. Because if you see a kid doing something they shouldn't be doing and you say something to them and you don't have a certain type of relationship with that child mm-hmm. or the parents of that child, you might get cursed out by the That's child. And then a few minutes later, the parent going to come through and curse right, you out too. Right, I've right. seen it happen with teachers right. trying to correct the child and the child saying something. And then when the mom or the dad comes, the teacher gets mm-hmm. it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a different world. It's not like it used to be. That's right. what I was
2: going to say about the, the village. Now now it's, it's hard to as a village raise a, raise a, raise a child because nowadays like you just said, if you say something to a kid, he's gonna cuss you out, and then the parent is gonna cuss you out. That's right. So it's hard for you to instill values in the kid where the parents, you know, that's my son.
1: Right.
2: What gives you the right to say something to him? That's my child. So that's why it's hard nowadays to uh to to try to help with the kids in the community because the parents don't want you to.
0: Right. But right. well, let's let's just look at the people who kind of have that access, which is coaches. Uh, church members uh, Family oh, well, friends Nowadays
2: would you say coaches Because a lot of good times coaches Well yeah good coaches Because a lot of times now You see parents They coach from the stand Yeah good Don't coaches Don't listen to the coach Listen to me
0: Good coaches Church members Family friends Teachers um, we, we live, live by, by a, what we call The six degrees of separation That um, within every six person You have a, a mutual friend Somewhere else So wherever you touch somebody You can continue to Make it contagious And, and pass that on you said something important before, Dad, was the biggest thing for you was instilling those principles in our peers, our friends. That's right. You know, when their friends spend the night, are you just allowing them to play the game all night? Or are, you, are you giving them the same conversations and discipline that you would give your kid? Absolutely. I know when we spent the night at, uh shout out to Wiggy, if he told Dooney and Jeff to clean the room, that means y'all help. That's right. You know what I'm saying? If if they were over our house, whatever said was said to me and him, apply it to them as well, that's right? Right. That's so are, right. you know, the yeah. friends They're are the, the biggest, biggest influences. influences. So, so if you just say that person is negative, negative, you should stay right. away from them. Now, sometimes right. the kid is not gonna do that. Right. But if you change your mentality and you begin to instill principles into that kid that that's probably being taught at home, then now you can make a change. And now your kid ain't gotta worry about going into a negative way because now you've steered this kid into right. a positive right. direction. So, so again, so we, so just with those, we're talking about positive connectivity. That starts in the household, but it expands with whoever, who they're connected to.
1: Absolutely. But I also want to make a point that for every child or, or adult that ends up doing some bad things, and I don't want to say that everybody that does a bad thing is a bad person because that's not true, but if they decide that they're going to do bad things or that they're going to commit crimes or what have you, it doesn't necessarily mean that the parents did a horrible job as a parent.
0: Exactly. I'm gonna
1: speak from experience. I think that I personally had the greatest mom and dad in the world. Mm -hmm. I still elected to do crime. Mm -hmm. So that was a choice that I made, even though I felt like I had the greatest parents in the world. Mm -hmm. I think they did the greatest of jobs possible. In fact, I tried to mimic how I parent, how they parented, Mm -hmm. you know? So obviously I had a great deal of respect for them, but at the same time, a child, as they get older, decides that they want to do certain things Mm -hmm. they want to be a certain person that's their choice Mm -hmm. and if they know how to go about hiding it from their parents then that's what they do there's no way you can stop there's no way you can stop it Mm -hmm. now i will say this there is a way that's going to get stopped eventually Sometimes it has to play out that way. Mm -hmm. But to blame the parent in every situation, I think is going to be wrong because you can have the greatest parents Mm -hmm. and it's still, that child still is going to decide what they want to do and who they want to be. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say this, access to guns usually escalates whoever that child is going to be. Mm -hmm. It's a little, how many, how many, I don't know if you guys Googled this, but I did. How many murders are being committed by black youth using anything other than a gun. Very little. Be- very little. Right. Very little. And I'll tell you, as a youth, when we started doing crime, I wasn't going to shoot any. I might talk you to death. Yeah. But I sure wasn't <laughs> going to shoot anybody. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a different world. Having access to a gun, To, in my opinion, has escalated these numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know, just right here in Bedford County, there's been a few murders mm-hmm. where younger generation... Um, Maybe not youth, but when we talk about black men and black boys, we're talking about the ages between 15 and 34. Mm -hmm. So we know that in Bedford County alone, there were a few murders. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've had friends on both sides, Mm -hmm. friends that were actually murdered and friends who were actually the offenders of the murder. Mm -hmm. And I had the unfortunate opportunity to talk to people that were in this situation as the offender. Mm -hmm. And my first question, really my only question is, what made you go to the point to pull the trigger to kill somebody? And the response, overwhelmingly, by anybody that I've ever asked is, I had access to the gun. Mm -hmm. Access to the gun. Mm -hmm. Not many people gonna go around looking for a gun, especially if you gotta ask somebody for it, and then come back, and that person's still gonna be there Mm -hmm. waiting for you to come back. That usually doesn't happen. Time. If you give yourself that time from when the heated exchange happens, usually it's going to be over with the next time you see that person. Right. Having access to the gun, immediate access to the gun is what escalates it. Right. So early exposure and then access.
2: I heard somebody in Roanoke say uh, you can get a gun faster than you get a COVID.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So... Putting this into perspective, there's only three ways that, well, there are three things that I think why youth would want to get their hands on a gun. And I'm going to call it the three P's. Power, protection, proof. All right. What is the power? We see people, anybody that got a gun want to show you the gun. Right. It's, it's the, the funniest thing, thing in the world.
2: Hit, anybody a got a gun want to show
0: you that they got a gun. You know, some people get, they just buy guns not to use them, not to even shoot them. They, tell you they, they got just want to show you they, they got a lot of them. So, it, why? Because the gun carries a lot of power of what I can do to you with this particular weapon. Right? And it's glorified in the world. Everything is about a gun. You know what I mean? We don't realize it, but the, the game Fortnite that kids love to play is uh, using guns. We don't think about it mentally, but do we know that the gun is the most glorified weapon in the world. Money and guns, two of the most glorified insects or the three of the most glorified things ever, um, ever used by man, right? Because having a gun makes you feel like you got that power. That's why police officers oftentimes overuse it, like we talked about That's before. Right. The second one is for protection. We talked, You talked about bullying. You talked about being in a situation to where I might have to fight. That's what the fight can be over real quick if I got a gun. That's right. Or I might not have to fight at all if I just show them I got a gun. That's right. Right? The third one is, is proof. Proof that I'm hard. Proof that I got it like that. Proof that I can back up what I'm saying. May, I might not have to use it, I just want you to know I got it on me. And that comes with, again, a lot of power and it protects you. So a lot of people carry guns because other people carry guns and I need to protect myself. I need to have proof of myself that I'm solidified or 100 or whatever the case may be. And I got the power walking around with it. So power, protection and proof is one of the three reasons. And it doesn't start at the youth. it Starts with our adults. It starts with the music that we use to. It starts with the, the, the movies that we watch. We see it glorified all over the place. So why
1: should we be surprised when kids take on that persona as well? Yeah. You know, most parents don't like to have conversations with their kids regarding video games, music and movies, and even TV shows. It's, it's a way to occupy that child's time to where the parent can do what they want to do or what they need to do. Mm -hmm. And without the interference of the child, Um, I wasn't one of those parents. Um, I would talk to you guys about video games and movies and, Music, mainly music, mm-hmm. because that's entertainment. I would always tell you that's entertainment. Most of those rappers ain't Here's the thing. People talk about killing people and being murderers. You're not that until you kill somebody. Mm-hmm. So when they're talking about I'm a killer, so that means you've killed before, right? right? Most of them never killed right. before. And most of the people who have killed before ain't going around telling people that they killed somebody mm-hmm. before. So music, movies, Video games, that's entertainment mm-hmm. and parents need to be educating their kids on the fact that this is purely this is merely purely entertainment, nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's still glorified right Because these are the people that are making the money, as you say, these are the people we all saw the movie. you got the juice now, kid? Yeah, you know, when you got that gun, you got the juice, mm-hmm. right? I remember the first time somebody bought a pocket knife to school. We thought he was the man. Oh right. snap, he got <laughs> a knife. You know what I mean? Now cats got guns. Yeah. Multiple ones. Right. Right. And they're not afraid. They're not afraid because they have the power. You know, I remember the first time I held the gun and it wasn't in the best of situations. I had a cousin who was really nice with his hands. We went to Coney Island and uh, Coney Island back in the day was a vicious place to be in New York City, and so coming back from Coney Island early in the morning, the guy was staring at my cousin. My cousin was like, you you think you know me or something? And the guy, you know, like, man, i do whatever. my cousin was like, oh yeah, it's like that? So my yeah. cousin stood up, the guy seen the gun, and the guy was like, no, 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 you good. He said, oh, you, the gun, that's what you worried about. He <laughs> took the gun out and gave it to me. You know, now yeah. here I am, I'm holding the gun. And in my mind, I'm going, this is power. Mm-hmm. That I don't want. Right. I didn't want that power. Right. But guess who else didn't want that power? My cousin. cousin. Right. That's why he gave it to me. Right. He didn't want that power. Right. So obviously, people that have these guns and they get it in their hands, they want that power for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you change that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you change somebody when they get that gun and having that feeling. We've seen the movies when people get that feeling. Mm-hmm. How do you change that?
0: hmm absolutely uh
1: we're gonna take a quick
0: commercial break we'll be right back and we are back Uh, again go to youtube type in mighty motivation network hit the subscribe button follow the facebook page um under my unapologetic perspective um we're going to continue this conversation and continue to move right along i remember when we were kids you know grandma didn't want us playing with guns at all not
1: even water guns right
0: um and taking that into totally you could take it into two different perspectives number one i don't want you to you know take that gun and feel like you got power with it and, and use it um and get a real gun and feel like you imitate what's going on in the movies what's going on in the music right. the second part is understanding that the toy gun a lot of them toy guns look like real guns that's right? right that you know if you if you somewhere even if you outside playing and a police officer ride by and they see this kid outside holding a, a gun that looks like a real gun from a few years ago, we know how those situations play out.
2: Right,
1: That's right, absolutely.
2: Well, for music, let's talk about music. Um, You got these music execs that go to the hood and find these kids, you know, uh, King Von, who died last year. You know, one of his most favorite songs in the, in the uh, he says a line, it's, it's the course, actually. It says, Whitey got killed. I seen it. I was right there. I still can't believe it. That turned me into a demon. Mm-hmm. So he's seen his best friend get killed, and that's what, in turns made him start killing. Right. Um. But the, these rappers, well, in Chicago specifically, they've turned murder into a tournament. It's a game. Um, And I, I'll tell you how. Dirk said, we turned killing into a tournament. We get revenge. It's glorious. Also, King Von said, we at the top. Yeah, we lost a lot, but that's just how it go. But check the score. If y'all lose one more, that's 6-24. to Right. So it's it turned it into a sport. Killing is a sport now. But it is now. But we
0: can go back to, you know, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, where Chicago was starting to get bad. And it, it came from what, we, what I like to call it, um, programming the mind. When you start to see this stuff over and over and over again, it becomes normal behavior. Police officers um, have a theory called the broken window theory. That if there's one broken window in a neighborhood and nobody fixes that broken window, a second window will be broken. the third and the fourth why because the first broken window was not fixed and now it's become a normalcy of all of these broken windows to where it's going to be impossible to fix the same thing is happening in 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 the surrounding counties what we call roanoke lynchburg danville um and these other places as well which is this is normal behavior now the more you show it on the news and it's almost like when you show it on the news, it's almost like... You're not even surprised. not even surprised, but it's promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That another one didn't happen. And you hear people all the time say, this is a dangerous place. You just can't come through here. That is a sense of pride behind something that's so negative. So when you continue, when kids continue to see their family members go to jail or go to prison for killing somebody when they continue to see their family members or friends being killed, this is programming the mind of some, of people saying, this is normal behavior. This is something that we're used yeah. to. And it's, it, it, if, if it's not corrected, it's only gonna get worse because it's normal for a teenager to have a gun. It's normal for a teenager to go to jail for shooting somebody. It's normal for a teenager to be killed. This is what's happening in Chicago. Didn't happen, like you said. Gangs didn't happen overnight. That's what happens right. in Chicago didn't start with um Vaughn and Lud Dirk and Chief Keith and them. We-, we going back to the early years where gangs was just created just to have something to do.
1: That's right. A
0: lot of murders that happened when we talked about Cabrini Green was just people shooting off the rooftop because they ain't had nothing better to do. That's right. These, these were just things that have been happening over the course of years, and it's continued to get bad. We've been known Roanoke was a bad place. Now the rest of the world just That's know right. it. It just continues to get bad.
1: Interesting, you 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 guys mentioned Chicago because Chicago is the one that people always talk about because of the rate of the killings that happen in Chicago. And even today, Chicago has the highest rate gun violence and murders than any other city in the U.S. Um, and a lot of it happens is because of the same things that we talk about where you have impoverished uh, neighborhoods, lack of educational resources, um, and then high levels of street gang activity. Um, So this is where you get these type of situations. Before, you mentioned the three P's, which is a different set of three P's, but before I mentioned three P's, when people talk about why do black youth migrate towards gangs? And it's the three P's, which is somebody usually profess their love for something, Mm -hmm. and then you do everything you can to provide for that person that you profess your love, and then you do everything in your power to protect those Mm -hmm. that you profess your love. That is what a gang does. Mm -hmm. They accept you, and then you do everything in your power to make sure that you keep that acceptance. Mm -hmm. That's how gangs get them. Of course, it starts out by saying, give me your lunch money, and if you don't, then you ain't gonna make it to school. So they start out by using fear and then it becomes that brotherhood through the, the three ps mm-hmm. um so obviously when you look at the violence in the neighborhoods, it's detrimental to that to the to the to the youth from the educational standpoint mm-hmm. but also the psyche right because matter of fact in Chicago alone they had to develop a safe passage route program just to be able to get kids to and from school yeah. In 2000, between 2010 and 2014, they had over 125 school kids murdered mm-hmm. just in that time span, to the point where they had to develop that. Now here's where I'm going to go government for the one for the one segment. I don't know if a lot of people remember the 2016 presidential race, where Donald Trump mentioned 42 times the violence that happens in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he literally said, we have a plan that we can put in place that will stop that immediately, Mm -hmm. immediately. One time he even said, within a week, Mm -hmm. we could do that. 2016, there was more murders committed in Chicago. It nearly accounted for half of all the murders committed in in the United States, Mm -hmm. just in Chicago alone. Right after that. Mm -hmm. So if there is a plan that somebody could put in place, why didn't they do it? Mm-hmm. Here's the other interesting fact when we talk about government in Chicago, and we're just going to keep it in Chicago. The offenders of these violent crimes aren't first time offenders. Mm-hmm. offenders. They aren't second time offenders. They aren't third time offenders. Most of them are a minimum of four time offenders mm-hmm. with guns. Mm-hmm. So, It's not a joke, but it sounds funny. So you have these young Blacks committing crimes against other Blacks go to court in a system that we know is typically, you know, unfair to Blacks, but they're getting slapped on the hand and let back out and commit the crime again. Mm -hmm. Does it seem like it's a possibility it's done on purpose? So you, you're going to release them back into society. They're going to get another gun, do the same thing again, because they're only killing blacks. Right. So the system is appeasing us, and we're following along with the program. Mm-hmm. We, know, we know you're going to get out and kill some more as long as you're doing it over there. I said this before. Uh, Ice-T went on TV in 1985, 1986, I believe it was, and they said, well... They said there's over 125 gang members in LA right now. He said, "Yeah, you think they all got initiated last night." It wasn't until a white girl got killed in Beverly Hills that all of a sudden gangs became a problem. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, as long as they're killing blacks, it's not a problem. It's a freaking war zone, right. but only blacks right. are being killed. Right. Uh, so, the other thing is is that police will tell you. We talked about the you talked about the the broken window. The police can tell you the neighborhoods where the glass is broken. They can tell you where two windows are broken. They can tell you where three windows are broken. They can even tell you the possible offenders of those crimes. Why they heavily monitor those areas. Mm -hmm. However, however, what do they do to stop it? So we talked about early exposure of use and guns. What are they doing to prevent that exposure? We know what they're doing once you commit the crime. Mm-hmm. We know what's happening there, but what are they doing? What kind of programs are being put in place to prevent the early exposure? Mm-hmm. That's what we need to focus on. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you make the earliest, di- the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Because now, like I said before, these kids are probably going to end up doing what they want to do at some point. However, you may be a little older. Things may change in your life by then. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why they have a hard time prosecuting cold cases is is because people change. Mm-hmm. Their memories change. The things that they mm-hmm. once thought was a principle has now changed. Mm-hmm. You probably have more former gang members now than you do actual gang members. Mm-hmm. Why? Things change. If you can start getting with kids before they get that exposure, mm-hmm. you could probably put a dent in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not I don't think you're ever going to get rid of it. Right. But I think you could put a dent in it.
0: Absolutely. Um and I, and let me be clear. I don't want to make this a totally thing. Um, yes, the news cover the the murders, and it, it it gives you the statistics on what's going on in Lynchburg, what's going on in Roanoke, what's going on in Danville. But there are phenomenal things going on in Roanoke, Lynchburg, Absolutely. In
1: Danville, and Bedford.
0: Yeah, there are phenomenal African Americans who are doing great work. Um, we talked about them on the podcast before. Um, I'm seeing programs on Facebook that I and events on Facebook, um, mentoring on Facebook, um, and you don't see that on the news. So I, I know it hurts them to, to to just hear Roanoke is so bad, Roanoke is so bad, Lynchburg is this, Danville is that. They're doing phenomenal work. So it's not like. We're not trying to, to 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 change what's going on in our city. When they say, well, y'all should talk about Black on Black crime. Y'all should do something about Black on Black crime. Trust me, there are people who are working. We're doing all the work that we, we probably could be doing more. But there are people who are doing phenomenal work. And I don't want to, to just step over that um, while we talk about this topic. Because there are people who are yeah not they may not be taking the guns out of a hundred kids' hands, but they're taking the guns out of two or three kids' hands that's it's just start. by being just by just by being present that's where it starts and um uh, I really want to show them some love real quick because uh that's huge and we need more of it um and because we know what our kids are mimicking we know that 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 what they look up to and we have to find some kind of way to show them that that's not their only option. That's right. We have to show them that even if you get kicked out of school, or, I mean, you get kicked off the football team, the basketball team, or you can't play sports, there's other things. There's other routes. Even though your parents weren't in your life, there's still other routes. You know what I'm saying? I know it's it's a lot easier saying it from somebody who – don't live in what we consider the hood or the projects. But there are a lot of phenomenal people that come out of the hood and the projects. And they'll be the first to tell you that you have other options. And I think, um, I think that we will get there, but it's going to take, again, that village. And then, yes, it starts in the household, but it's going to take much more than just two parents. It's going to take a village to be able to change what's going on. And this has nothing to do with white America. This has nothing to do with law enforcement. This has nothing to do with what the government is doing.
2: our issue.
0: This is us looking at each other as brothers and sisters, um, looking at each other and building each other up. And there's nobody that can help with this uh, with that. That's right. Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said it. Malcolm X said it. Dr. King said it. Marcus Garvey said it. W. B. Du Bois said it. Everybody, every one of our black leaders has said that if we want true change, it has to start with us first. Yes, we can get some things along the line, but we have to make that initial step to change us to make the changes around us. Be the change that you want to see, and it starts with again that village, uh, the family members, the community leaders. Um, your peers. It's up to us.
1: That's okay. right.
0: Y'all got anything else on that? Good. All right, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Uh go to YouTube, type in Mighty Motivation Network, hit the subscribe button, go to Facebook, type in my unapologetic perspective, and hit the like button. Uh we're gonna move on. Um we're gonna talk about the importance of black mental health. Um I made a post regarding uh, Simone Biles and even commented on a few statuses about Simone Biles that I thought didn't do her justice um, because I was eager to defend um, this phenomenal black woman for what she did. Um, I'm not gonna speak anymore on that situation, but I'll allow you you two the time if you wanted to speak on that particular situation.
1: Go ahead. I I've, I've read your post. I agree with you 100. percent. I mean, the the other thing that I find interesting is is there was no negative feedback for Michael Phelps. Who, if I remember, he has a commercial that they have a 800 number that you can call for mental health. Right. Right. Nobody's talking about that in the negative light. That's why he was smoking weed. Right. <laughs> Nobody's talking about Nothing that in the that. negative light. Um. I, I, I won't even name a few of the other ones. Quarterbacks in the NFL come playoff time. You know, they got hurt, but they decided that the injury was was too much for them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't I won't even go there. But mm-hmm. what I will talk about is how some of the individuals that called out Simone Bowles also mentioned Tom Brady and LeBron James.
0: Clay Travis. Yeah.
1: And, you know, they said, well, would LeBron James, uh, <laughs> Le- at what age LeBron James are we talking about? Right. At what age? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, is when LeBron James was 24 years old, they weren't calling him the greatest, the greatest of all times. Right. At 24 years old, they've been calling Simone Bowles the greatest of all time since she was 18. Right. So for 18 year old, and we can't forget the sexual assault part. Right. As a, as a child, we can't forget that. All that plays a part in what we get today. At the end of the day, she did the right thing for her. Mm-hmm. Somebody else who did the same thing was Osaka. Right. She got a, pretty much the same type of reception that um, Simone is getting. When obviously she elected to withdraw from a tournament because of mental health. Mm-hmm. Because of the pressure that's being put. Now, people can talk about the money. We can talk about the money all day long the amount of money that they make does that make it okay for them to subject subject themselves to mental health issues right. that could be detrimental no, to right. them because they make a lot of money they're supposed to be able to deal with
0: it well right. let, let's, let's talk, talk about now are oh, you baiting me uh, <laughs> let's talk about how they make their money they're not paid based off of their abilities that's right they're yeah. paid based off their sponsors So if you go in the food line right now, there's a big ad of Simone Biles. This is how she makes her money. She also makes her money from winning those medals. So she accumulates wealth either by winning or accumulate her wealth by her brand. That is how she accumulated. um, I think she's worth like $10 million right now. This is different from LeBron James and Tom Brady. How? Because they're under contract and they're paid to deliver. This is why Kyrie Irving was... Uh, had a lot of backlash for sitting out for mental health reasons right. because the Brooklyn Nets were paying him to play. That's this right. this is totally different from that. Other Again, you could talk about the NBA and the NFL. That's one thing, okay? If Tom Brady throws an interception, interception, he can come back and have another opportunity. That's right. If LeBron James misses a free throw, second free throw coming. That's right. Did If anybody noticed Simone Bowles' face when she made a mistake, None of us knew it was a mistake, but she knew it was a That's mistake right. and she was still better than half the people. That is because one mistake costs you tremendously in gymnastics. That's one right. mistake that she couldn't make that anybody else out there could have made, but Simone Biles was not able to make that mistake. So you're talking about a whole different person and you're talking about a black woman that wasn't just out there for athletic ability. Let's just talk about this. The pressure was had nothing to do with gymnastics for the most part is that every African and American was counting on this woman to deliver. That's right. To say, we're proud of you. And we're still proud of her. Mm-hmm. That's right. This, so you could talk about Wilma Rudolph. You could talk about Jesse Owens all day long. But how about you talk about the mental health problems that they had after they'd done the Olympics? Absolutely. She just actually started talking about it during the Olympics. Right. This is totally different. So when we talk about mental health, A lot of people talked about the sports aspect of it. Let's talk about the importance of the black aspect of it. Number one, she was a black. Number two, she was a black woman. That's two totally different scenarios that have coming into play. Now, I can't talk about this on Facebook because other people won't understand it. But let's make it clear real quick. All right. We have this mentality among us African-Americans to not look like we're not hurting. That's right. Because you don't want to give anybody a reason to think that you're weak because we know from past and history of America that if an African-American looks vulnerable or weak, they're taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. We don't want to take that. So we are survivors. We are strong. We are resilient. But behind closed doors, we're tired. We're mentally drained. We're tired of talking about our pain and rage. And people get defensive and say, oh. And give us what year it is. Like their attitude has changed. Because it's 2021. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've been praying since 1619.
1: So they say. We've,
0: We've been, been resisting for century. centuries. We've been protesting and marching. For over 100 years. We're tired. We're tired. Of, you say that all the time. You're tired of having the same conversation. Over and over again. Right. With people who are listening to respond. But not a listening to understand. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're tired of two different races, same situation, treated differently, treated totally different. We're tired of having not only be good, be but great. be better than good, be just to get your foot in the door. We're tired of being misunderstood in a room full of people who want to tell us how we should feel. We're tired of being extra careful because one human mistake would give people who hate us enough power to say, I told you so. Mm -hmm. That is what we're dealing with. This is why mental health is a problem for black people. Let's just put this into perspective. Let's just look at one thing that we're fighting today, the Crown Act, which has been sitting on the desk for years. Only six states passed this law to protect black people in, in, in the workplace for their hair. To say you can wear your hair naturally. natural, That is something that we are That only six states passed The other one like we talked about last week Which was only a few states have passed Racial profiling bill mm-hmm. So this is the type of racism That is fatiguing the black mind That has a weight on mental health In African Americans So you have what I call Two different types of, of racism interpersonal and interstructional. Now interpersonal, we're winning the interpersonal racism. This is us standing up, marching, protesting, speaking out about it. Which awareness. Is, yeah, awareness. Yeah, is, this is fatigue, right? It's fatiguing. But it does nothing to change inter, interstructional racism. So for white people who try to help, we need more than just interpersonal support. I know you guys put your Black Lives Matter shirts on. I know you come out and protest. You get on Facebook and say, well, that ain't right. Somebody needs to change it. Well, who's going to help change the interstructural and institutional racism? That's what we need your help at, to change laws and policies of some of your friends and family members that make them. Here's a a few places we're discriminated against that, that weighs on us mentally and mental health. Number one will be mass incarceration, seeing your family members go to prison for um, or being put behind bars disproportionately to any other race. The school system, which we talked about on this podcast, they won't teach history the right way. Um, they won't remove standardized tests that is culturally biased towards the African-American or the $23 billion that is the difference in funding for predominantly black schools from predominantly white schools. Banking, the ability to be approved for home loans and business loans, doctor's offices. Blacks receive lower quality health care by survey. We're less likely to receive pain medication than white people for the same problem. Also politics, you talked about it, Um, voter suppression, 14th and 15th amendment not being protected. Some states are closing Hundreds of voting sites, which are predominantly in black areas where black people usually vote. These are things that are not being protected. This weighs on you mentally. James Baldwin said, it's not our responsibility as black people to fix racism. (laughs) It's It's white folks working together to change the effect. He said he knows that white people will not like to be black here. If they know that, they know everything that they need to know. So we need white people not just to just march with us, but talk to your family members and friends understand. There's also a difference between anti-racism and non-racist. A lot of people say that they're non-racist, which is fine, but non-racist means I have no bias towards you, but I'll sit down with racist people and laugh at the jokes. I won't correct them. I won't say anything.
1: I'll be silent when they discriminate against you.
0: That's just as bad as being a racist. That's right. Anti-racist is when you will not tolerate any form of racism around you. Absolutely. Right. So those are the different things that weighs on on black mental health when we have people who say that they're not racist, but they do little to combat racism. Being in America and saying, let's not make this about race. It's like saying, let's read the Bible and that's not make this about God.
1: Yeah, The
0: basis of America is built on on race. You have to talk about it. Let's look at some statistics real quick. Black adults in the U.S. are more likely than white adults to report persistent sy- symptoms of emotional distress, such as sadness, hopelessness, or feeling like everything is an effort. Black adults living below the poverty line are more than twice as likely to report serious psychological distress than those with more financial security. Black and African American teenagers are more likely to attempt suicide than white teenagers. Women are head of the household in roughly 30% of black in African-American homes compared to 9% of white homes, which lays a lot on the woman psychologically and the man psychologically that he's not the breadwinner. Black college graduates with similar backgrounds as white have twice the unemployment rate. African-American babies are twice as likely to die before age one due to premature birth coming from stress of the black female. Blacks with advanced degrees don't earn the same as whites with the same degree. 50 years after the Federal Fair Housing Act, African-Americans are still denied mortgage loans at a much higher rate than white people. Think about the mental stress of the systematic racism that we're dealing with here in America to make people think that black people aren't going through anything. This is bigger than sports. This is bigger than the Olympics. This is making it say, black women, it's okay to say we're not OK, because they're not. We talked about it on the episode before. Black women are the most disrespected and neglected and abused person on this earth, not just by white America, about black people. That's right. Which shout out to her boyfriend who came to her defense and said he's going to hold her down no matter what. That is needed. Because what these black females or these black people are dealing with is much more pressure than anybody can think of. Some of them people was able to go to the Olympics and just compete. I don't know if y'all noticed, yesterday, second place in Jamaica, she cried and said she was thinking about leaving. Because she know that she can't come in second place. Even though her teammate was the one that beat her, pressure was so built up on her shoulders that she felt like second place was the loss. This is, the type of, this is the type of pressure that you deal with. You can't just go out there and compete. You're dealing with so much on a home front, from a family front, from a financial front, from a discrimination front. At least when you win, you come in first place. You're not discriminated against as much. This is why Jesse Owens came in first place, and it, we were proud of him. When Wilma Rudolph came in first place, we was proud of him. Imagine if Simone Bowles, didn't come in first place. Who's going to sit back and still talk about her, about her being great? That's why we're behind her in
1: support. Uh, you know, I, I think about Joe Lewis when he went and, and fought the German during the war, right at the start of the war, where everybody in America was behind Joe Lewis. So not just black Americans, but white Americans. Everybody was behind Joe Lewis. And he wins the fight. He comes back to the United States and he's treated just as he was before the fight. Mm-hmm. And you think about Simone Biles, who did all she could for the eight, eight years, mm-hmm. nine years, ten years for the American gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Um, even talking about openly about um the sexual um assault. Mm-hmm. Um and she's done everything she could, even being the elder on this team, and even having some of the other people say, Hey, I remember, you know, I was born when you you yeah. know, when you were, were doing this, and, and she was only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And she goes over the to again, and, and, I, and I, I've said this before, I don't think that the United States technically supports their athletes for the Olympics. They just wear the name USA on their jerseys. But she goes over in her mind representing the United States. And then when she does something for herself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: those same people that wants her to stand for the national anthem, those same people that want her to drape the flag across her chest, the same people that wants her to uh, uh, pledge allegiance to this country, mm-hmm. are the same people that turn their back on her when she decides to make a personal choice mm-hmm. for her mental health. Right, But they don't do that to any other race of people. Mm-hmm. So again, this is the Muhammad Ali moment of you expect me to do something for a country that won't stand up for me, right. really? Right. So at the end of the day, I commend her mm-hmm. and everybody who supported her and shame on anybody that said that what she did was wrong, un-American, she quit, whatever, whatever they wanted to say negative, shame on you for even saying that. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is she didn't only represent the United States. She didn't represent Black America. Mm-hmm. She represented Simone Biles. Right. And she put her first. Mm-hmm. And I commend
2: her for doing it. I that. love it. I love it. Uh, I remember Bron spoke on uh, his show about the bubble. And he said he would never go back to Orlando. If he was traded to Orlando, he would just retire because of the mental things that he went through. the, way in they the bubble. Him. So yeah. for him to bring up LeBron, he must have seen that clip. Um, the other thing with Simone. The emoji on your phone that's a goat mm-hmm. that is the most used on social media for her that's right um she's the most talked about person on on social media think about the pressures that come with that absolutely you're the most talked about person on social media absolutely when it comes to the goat emoji they're using it for you and for, for her to for her to put herself first was huge. was 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 huge um right. You know, so many athletes don't get that opportunity to put themselves first. And, you know, like you said, LeBron gets a contract. He gets paid regardless whether he play or not. If this girl don't compete, she don't get paid. She don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And for her to take a stance and say, you know what, my mental health is more important than, than, my, me- money. than my money. That's
0: right. Not only more important than her money, we talk about this GOAT status. And let's make one thing very clear. Even with her, even if she don't compete in this Olympics, she's still to go from what she did in the last Olympics. Right. So there's no arguing where her talent is, and there's no arguing the the, the biasness that the gymnastics came up with that they weren't going to score her uh, fairly on some of the things that she was doing that other
2: girls could not do. The goalposts was constantly moved on her.
0: Right. But also understand that she chose to be. Not just the GOAT athlete. She's supposed to be a GOAT person. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you could talk about Michael Jordan would have never did that. Good for Michael Jordan. You could talk about Wayne Gretzky would have never did that. Good for him. We're not talking about them. We're talking about Simone Biles. And what she did was says, even my, me as a person is more important than me as an athlete. So you, don't, you might not put me on the GOAT status as an athlete, but what I did, Took pressure off every girl that was in that room, no matter what country they was from, right? Because everybody in that room know that Simone Biles was the best one in there, and and he gave opportunities to the
1: other teammates exactly. to step up, exactly. So you know, at the end of the day, and she was there supporting them. Right. So, right. It's not right. like she went home, right? So she when when the, the best one there says,
0: you know what, this is a little too much. Imagine how those other girls felt to say, oh, she feel it too. Absolutely, she. she I'm not alone. The, the, so you and the most people who never played sports or was ever good at sports understand the psychological effects that sports can have. My first depression came through sports of having a bad game or anticipating the next game. So if you if if you never competed at the highest level, some people shouldn't even talk, even though they got sports shows, they probably never played sports a day of their life. You you should watch how you talk. And let's look at the Richardson situation, right? she said that she smoked weed because of stress that's right mental health problems <laughs> binge drinking smoking illicit drug use are the relievers of mental health problems that black people usually go to so would y'all have rather simone Bowles not talk about it and go smoke because she would have been banned if she did because richardson tried it and it didn't work out that way but the then that she fact that she spoke up about it and decided to choose herself now you're still mad. And I hate that word. That's so anti-American.
1: What is what American? Is that, yeah, what, what does that mean? The
0: first thing, the first representation of America
1: is freedom. So she had the freedom to choose not That's to right. do it. So how is that anti-American? The, the other thing I think is getting getting lost in the conversation about what actually happened is that she repeated... Repeatedly said that she didn't know where she was in the air. Right. Doing the routine. So one, as an athlete that's doing something on a regular basis every day for many, many years of not knowing where she was in the air is scary in itself. Right. But two, the opportunity for injury. Right. Severe injury with the type of routine she was doing Mm -hmm. was at the highest level. Mm -hmm. That's a separate type of fear. So what do you do in that situation mm-hmm. when you get a, when you're afraid to do something that you've been doing all your life, and you're afraid of doing it because you don't know whether you're gonna get hurt or not? What do you do? You bow out. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. You 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 have no choice. That's the smart thing to do, the right thing to do, the most healthy thing to do, and that's what she did.
2: Right. I like the fact that she's taking it day by day. She ain't just come out and say, you know. Backing out, I'm going home. Yeah. You know, she's taking it day by day. If, if I feel like it, I'll do it. If, if I'm still down, then I'm not doing it.
0: So, so from a person who went through um, mental health uh, problems, um, I just want to say to black people out there, man, it's not a weakness. Absolutely. You know, studies show that most black people think talking about their mental health problems or even acknowledging that they have mental health problems is a sign of weakness and it's not. You know, we as a black community has have to deal with so much um uh, with discrimination in our face, racism in our face, um inequality in our face, injustice in our face, uh poverty in our face, um history in our face. It's okay not to be okay with this. That's right. It's okay. Um And it's okay to talk to somebody about it.
1: The the other thing is when people talk about mental health, they always look at mental health as an issue because we say mental health issue, Mm -hmm. right? Mental health is not necessarily an issue. It can be your mental health. Mm -hmm. You want to be healthy, as healthy as you can mentally as possible. And when you can't do that, and I, you know, I've had mental health issues where I've seen A psychiatrist actually i see one now Mm -hmm. and it's not embarrassing to me to say that because a lot of people that i talk to go me too Mm -hmm. it's you have problems with your finances you go see a financial advisor Mm -hmm. right you have a problem with your hip you go see a doctor Mm -hmm. you have a problem with your mental state you go see a doctor You go talk to somebody who can help you sort through your thoughts my problem is my mind never stops turning Mm -hmm. 24 i don't sleep anybody know me know i don't sleep because my mind won't shut off Mm -hmm. sometimes i need help because i don't get high for those that's watching (laughs) i don't drink alcohol sometimes i have to be able to formulate a way to slow those thoughts mm-hmm. or understand them because that's the other problem. Yeah. So I have the thoughts and then I'm trying to understand them mm-hmm. and I don't sleep and it drives me crazy. So obviously there's people for that and you talk to those people right. so that you get help. So 20 years ago, would it have been embarrassing? Probably. Today, I don't no. care. Right. I don't care what people think. What I care about is I want to be the best version of me today as I can be. Mm-hmm. If I can be better than the Virgin yesterday, I'm doing well. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to, that's what I try to do. And I advise anybody that has any issues with the way they think, more importantly, what they think, Mm -hmm. what are you thinking, get you some help Mm -hmm. because the first step is acknowledging something's wrong. Right. That tells you that you're okay because you, you acknowledge something is wrong.
0: Right. And I, I believe that is the right thing to do because that's why we have to be more transparent to understand that it's okay. So if somebody doesn't talk about it, it's because they don't feel like it's okay to talk about because not enough people are being transparent about That's it. Right. This is why her case was so big because a lot of black girls probably came out and said, you know what, I'm not okay. That's right. and, and I may not play sports, but Simone Bowles just said on a national, on an international stage That's right. that she's not okay. I wonder and, if
1: she would have did that if Osaka wouldn't have did that. I, I wonder if shout that out to Osaka. If, if that would have paved the way for her i wonder if because serena Serena talked about it i wonder if if osaka wouldn't have done it if serena didn't mention it before so the fact that people are talking about it allows people to follow suit absolutely
0: and and it's important that we talk about it we have to you know no disrespect to anybody that go to church but we have to just stop telling people you should just go pray about it that, that's just like to me that's just like a a, a get out of my face i don't i don't want to talk to you about that when you when, that's just dismissive when you just tell people to go pray about it no but try to figure out where they at and see if you have a solution for them we talk about especially with black people we relate to a lot of things it don't matter where you are from that's right. you know you could put you could see a meme that say that you know black mamas used to say this or black fathers used to talk like this and everybody would agree the same thing goes with mental health problems. Uh, if you have conversations, it may be not the, totally the same, but there are going to be similar aspects of it to say, I feel that. I feel you because we have a lot of the same experiences here in this country, here in, in black communities that everybody else is having all over the world. Absolutely. We have to be in to discuss it, which goes back into the topic that we talked about at first when it talked about the guns and, and the gun violence. We have to start talking to our kids That's right. about it to say it's okay that if something happened at school, we can have a conversation about it because I want to know what you're thinking. That's right. What are your thoughts before you go get a gun? What are you thinking before you feel like you have to commit suicide? We have to have these open conversations to, to come up with solutions. It's okay. Parents for you not to have an answer.
1: That's right.
0: Some of you parents, you fork out money. To have your kids have a trainer for sports. You fork out money for sports. You fork out money for vacations and all this. You can pay somebody to come talk to your kid. There are plenty of, uh, uh, of psychiatrists or psychologists that could talk to your kid about what they're dealing with if you don't have an answer. Put them in a position to where they can talk to someone. Absolutely. Or even if they don't want to talk, where well, they can listen
1: absolutely
0: and understand that that they're not alone exactly that they're not alone thank y'all for tuning in i hope we didn't piss anybody off uh that bad but need to be said we love y'all see you next time